This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello everybody, Carlos Toro here at FightfulMMA.com, FightfulBoxing.com. It's time for the Fightful Boxing Podcast, or I guess you could call this a Fightful Minicast, however you want to call it. Here to recap this weekend's big boxing results, and really there has been a lot. There is a way, way, way too much to sort of cover in like five, six minutes, so we're going to talk plenty about all the big fights that's taken place this past weekend from the, the zone card to the um, incredible fight in Japan between Kosei Tanaka and Ryoichi Taguchi, even the Michael Conlon fight that just finished about an hour ago on ESPN plus. But listen, we all know what the big fight for this weekend was. Even though there has been a lot of great fights this weekend, the one that grabbed everyone's attention, the whole world's attention, Errol Spence Jr. Versus Mikey Garcia for the IBF welterweight title, Jerry world. AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas on Fox pay-per-view. Listen, this fight was the uh, the big, big, I, I guess, attention grabber for Fox in this first quarter. When it comes to these made uh, to the PBC on Fox deal, this is it. This was a, a fight that, that had been building since July last year. We thought we were going to get something special between Mikey Garcia, the WBC lightweight champion, moving up to welterweight to challenge the young undefeated star and Errol Spence Jr. We thought we could get a potential dream match. Well, instead of that, we got a one-sided beatdown that kind of proved the old saying, a good big guy will always beat a good little guy. Errol Smith Jr. just completely thrashed Mikey Garcia for 12 rounds, wins by unanimous decision. No question about it. 121-08, and 121-07 were the official scorecards at Arlington at AT&T Stadium. This was, man... This was kind of a letdown, to be perfectly honest with you. But before we really get into the nitty-gritty about this fight and the rest of that pay-per-view, why don't you go on and subscribe to our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. We've got plenty of content from MMA to boxing and on our Fightful Pro Wrestling YouTube channel where we got tons of recaps, news uh, news videos, podcasts on, on just about anything regarding pro wrestling. Sean Rossab over the weekend, our managing editor, did a podcast uh, covering Ring of Honor 17th anniversary show. Lots to lots of stuff. Great stuff over there, uh, over here on Fightful.com. Whether you're a pro wrestling fan, MMA, or boxing fan, there is something for any kind, for for every kind of combat sports fan. So leave us a thumbs up here. Subscribe to our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Go to Fightful.com for all the latest news on all those three sports, pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. But we're here to talk about Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence Jr. And this was Errol Spence Jr.'s night. This was his crowning achievement. We all thought that this could be a potentially, you know, even fight. Some people even saying 
that Mikey Garcia was going to win this fight. I personally thought that Errol Spence Jr. was going to win a, a close decision. I thought this fight was going to be a lot more even on paper, but I think, but the what it boiled down to was that Mikey Garcia, for as great as he is, for the for the in, incredible resume that he has, really just cannot overcome the glaring physical disadvantages that he was facing when he was going up uh, two weight classes to fight Errol Spence Jr. We all, we all knew from the very beginning that Mikey Garcia was going to come into the fight, you know, with a big disadvantage regarding the, the size uh, size between the two fighters. Listen, you look at the, the weigh-ins, you look at the face-offs, you look at anything, and you clearly see Errol Spence is, is so much bigger, so much faster, well, not faster, but he is really, really fast, longer, in physical, uh, in terms of physical trades, Errol Spence got Mikey's number on virtually every single angle. And the question was going to be, is Mikey a good enough boxer to beat Errol Spence Jr. in spite of all that was, that was going against him? He Unfortunately, not the case. Errol Spence Jr., uh, first couple of rounds, both guys were kind of in a feeling out process. No one really kind of did a whole lot to sort of, you know, beat the other guy around. The first couple of rounds, you can maybe give it to one guy or the other. Uh, but even then, Mike Garcia was doing nothing. He really, he was cautious throughout the entire fight, did not really do anything to sort of convince anyone that he belonged on that stage against Errol Spence Jr. There was maybe a moment in the second round, and around, right around the two-minute mark, two minutes into the second round, I should say, that Mikey was kind of caught some fire, didn't really hurt Errol Spence Jr., but was was splitting Errol Spence's guard with short-range combinations. But the question was not going to be whether or not he could do it. We all know that Mikey is a good enough boxer to do that kind of stuff. But let's face it, at the end of the day, my the question was going to be, can he do it throughout 12 rounds? Because we all know Mikey wasn't going to knock out Errol Spence Jr. Mikey's a really strong puncher, but not that strong to sort of take out someone like Errol Spence Jr. And that was really the main focus, is, is Errol Spence Jr.'s physical gifts enough to carry him to a win over Mikey Garcia, a, an extremely talented boxer, a guy who, if you're growing up and you're trying to imitate one boxer today, Mikey Garcia would be at the top of the list. He does everything so fundamentally sound. There's virtually no weakness in his game. That is, of course, maybe his, his hubris, his desire to to uh, seek out bigger challenges. And in this case, he sought out a challenge that was way too big, way too over his head. And I, I listen, I give Mikey Garcia a lot of credit for taking this fight. Well, he called out Errol Spence Jr. So not like he, he was offered the fight and took it. He was the one that was actively calling out Errol Spence Jr. Ever since he beat Robert Easter Jr. to unify the WBC and IBF lightweight titles last July in Los Angeles, and let's be honest with you, you know, Errol Spence Jr., he pretty much had his way with Mikey throughout all 12 rounds. He, the, he, the right hand was was attacking Mikey just for just every single minute of the fight. He, he out, outlanded him, I believe, 5-1 to one throughout the whole fight, which is maybe the most amazing stat out there. Not the fact that Errol Spence Jr. landed almost 350 punches on Mikey, but it was the fact that Mikey only threw 
only landed 75 punches, which is horrible. and might be it might be a career low for a fight that went that long or anywhere near that long for Mikey. So it was very surprising. Errol just bruised and battered Mikey's face throughout the entire fight. Just d- dominated him. There really wasn't much to sort of break down other than Errol Spence Jr. is an absolute beast. He is undoubtedly one of the best welterweights in the world, arguably the best welterweight you can make some argument with Keith Thurman or Sean Porter or Terrence Crawford. But really, I could, if, if you ask just about anyone, the conversation is Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. And I think that's the fight that maybe the, the best welterweight fight that you could possibly make out there, but it will not happen, mainly because Errol Spence Jr. is with PBC and Terrence Crawford with ESPN. And it does not look like those two will ever work towards an event quite like that. One can only dream, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I think that's really, really unfortunate. And I think the sport deserves a great fight like that. But here and there, I mean, what's next for Errol Spence Jr.? Well, he called out Manny Pacquiao uh, to a potential unification fight. Well, and I say the term unification somewhat loosely because Manny Pacquiao does hold a WBA world welterweight title, but it's not the welterweight title Keith Thurman holds that that uh, big belt in the 147-pound division for the WBA. Nonetheless, that is maybe the most attractive fight in terms of getting you know mainstream attention and, and getting the casuals and non-boxing folk to tune into this fight. Everybody knows who Manny Pacquiao is. I think it's obvious that he is a Hall of Famer and. Uh, aside from De La Hoya and Canelo Alvarez and Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao was the, the biggest star in boxing throughout the 2000s and in, in the 2010s as well. And to be honest with you, I, w- I would like to see that fight. Manny Pacquiao has not looked this good in consecutive fights in, in quite some time. He looked really good against Lucas Matisse in the summer 2017. Well, actually, no, last summer, my mistake. Last summer, he looked really good against Lucas Matisse. And back in January, he looked really good against Adrian Broner, even though uh, Broner didn't really do much against Manny Pacquiao. Nonetheless, that's a really good fight. Errol Spence Jr. is, you know, his top priority is Manny Pacquiao. Neither of those two guys have mandatory challengers at this moment. So there really is nothing preventing this fight from being made. If that fight was going to be made, it would definitely be on pay-per-view. You get, you get, a, I guess, a, maybe a solid, solid buy rate for that one. Maybe 400000 could be 500000 depending on how the buy rate for this pay-per-view it does between Errol Spence Jr. and Mikey Garcia. I don't know what that pay-per-view number is going to be. So I've heard estimates of maybe in the 300000 which I guess would be par for the course. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, um, well, not unfortunately, but Richard Schaefer, uh, the one of the lead promoters for this fight, said, you know, and I really that thing he kind of went a little bit over the line when he said that this fight could do a million pay per view buys, which we which is not gonna happen. It's it was a like, ludicrous statement to say. I don't know if Richard Schaefer was caught up in the emotion of this fight taking place at AT&T Stadium, Jerry World being on pay-per-view, Fox is handling all the promotion around it. That that the Fox promotion could help could help the buy rate significantly. Fox has invested a lot 
not just in PBC, but in this fight in particular. They've done press conferences uh, on Fox. They've done a lot of big, a lot of big promotions across social media, across television for this fight. And really, I, I do think that this fight is going to do a solid buy rate number. I, I kind of put it out on Twitter saying, asking what their, what their thoughts on what the buy rate is going to be, could be, uh, what, what would be overall under 370, I put out 375,000 buys. I thought that'd be a solid, a, a decent starting off point because Fox, again, is handling the promotion. And you really, we really have never seen a pay-per-view with that kind of marketing machine, you know, be in charge of that pay-per-view. For years, we've seen Showtime and HBO handle pretty much almost every single big pay-per-view in boxing here in the United States for, for years. But we have never seen Fox do anything like this. So that could... That could bolster the buy rate, and and I do think it'll be a solid buy rate. I think three hundred seventy five thousand uh, could be it. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it did lower than that, maybe three hundred thousand, as as low as three hundred thousand. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. But this pay per view, uh, listen, it was a five fight pay per view card originally four, but they put in a a swing bat at the last second because all the undercard fights were. Uh, going by so so quickly, and I'm telling. And, and if you're a boxing fan and you look at this card, it was hard to really get excited over spending sixty, seventy, seventy-five dollars, however the pay per view was. For this card, let's run it down really, really quickly. David Benavides beats Jillian Love. TKO in the second round. Not much to say there. David Benavides is dominating Jillian Love as, as expected. He's next man in line for the WBC Super Middleweight title that he never technically lost. He was stripped of the title for because of a failed drug test for the central compound uh, found in cocaine last year. Anthony what ended up winning the vacant title last month, but there was a bit of a controversy at Andy Yildrim as asked the WBC for an immediate rematch. WBC is going to make a a vote tomorrow, actually, uh, uh, regarding the status of the WBC super middleweight title. So we'll see what David Benavides' future, although in my opinion, I think he should deserve another shot at the title. And I think David Benavides would beat Anthony Durrell. For the WBC title. Lindolfo Delgado versus James Roach. Delgado. Uh, this was the swing bout that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, by the way. Uh, Lindolfo Delgado. Really good prospect out there. Knocked out James Roach with a vicious body, uh, left body hook at the end of the first round. If anybody knows me, you know, I'm a sucker for that left hand to the body that just... Sends sends guys down no matter what, and and I love this. I, I love Lindorfo Delgado. He's a solid prospect out there. Uh, it's and it was really good, really good of Fox to put this fight on pay per view at the last second, get people excited about Lindorfo Delgado. I really did. I did like that. He's got a bright future. Luis Neri beats by Joe Arroyo TKO after four rounds. This was uh, this was. The biggest one-sided beatdown of this entire card. Yes, even more so than Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. Natty, the former WBC bantamweight champion who uh, 
failed the drug test in 2017 after a, a title defense against Shinsuke Yamanaka, or at least after beating Shinsuke Yamanaka for the title. Then keeps the title, some miraculously keeps the title even after failing a drug test. Has a rematch with Shinsuke Yamanaka, then goes massively overweight for the rematch. The it complete makes a complete utter full of himself, gets stripped of the title, he gets banned for life from ever competing professionally in Japan. And, and a lot of fans have kind of soured on him, not because of his skills, because skills-wise, this guy is arguably the best band of weight in the world, but because of his reputation for the failed drug test, for missing weight, there's a, he, there's a lot of lost faith in him, but Netty kind of recouped some of that hope in Netty being the best band to win in the world for a dominant performance against Majo Arroyo. Arroyo. Uh, he knocked Arroyo down four times in the fight. Uh, I believe once in the second and third round and twice in the fourth round. And at the end, Arroyo's corner said, we're, you're done. You're not going to be Luisnani. We're going to, we're not going to send you out, uh, send you out to get slaughtered by Luisnani. So Netty, I mean, he could be, you know, could potentially get a, a shot at the WBC bantamweight title down the line, but we're not, you know, and I think Netty will have, a little trouble in winning back the WBC Bantamweight title. Opening fight, Chris Ariola beats Jean-Pierre Agustin. Uh, you know, another one-sided fight. This has been the theme of the entire night. One-sided beatdowns. Ariola, former title challenger. It's kind of making a final run at a world heavyweight title. And he looked good against Jean-Pierre Agustin. But let's be honest, this is not a name, a name guy or someone that the fans will easily recognize. I think it's a nice sort of comeback win for Chris Ariola. It's the second fight since since 2016 when he lost to Deontay Wilder. He's this is his last run at heavyweight title. I don't know if he's ever gonna get that shot because of how busy Deontay Wilder future could be, as well as the rest of the heavyweight champs, them being Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, if you consider his lineal title, you know, a legitimate world title, that is. Uh, FS1 prelims, really quickly, Charles Martin beats Gregory Corbin by disqualification because Gregory Corbin could not stop, and I quote the great Sean Ross Sapp doing this, right in the penis... Four low blows, or at least four registered low blows on Charles Martin. This fight, I, I I do not recommend watching this fight at all. Don't watch this fight. This was one of the worst fights I, I've seen all year long. If you're trying to get yourself to not like boxing anymore, go right ahead and watch this fight. Although, I don't know why you want to watch this fight or why you want to stop watching boxing. This fight was terrible. It was awful. Charles Martin, you know, which just you dominated Gregory Corbin. Corbin was, you know, he did not belong out there. As much as as much flax I give Charles Martin, and I do think he's kind of in the conversation of being in that Mount Rushmore for worst world heavyweight champion throughout boxing history. Come, this was this was a Bad fight. This was a dud. I just, just don't watch this fight at all. I, I really was sad. I really did get soured on this fight. It was just not good at all. But you know what was good? <laughs> Kose Tanaka versus Ryoichi Taguchi, which took place uh, 3 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. WBO flyweight title. Good. 
great, good gracious, this was fantastic. One of the best fights uh, of this weekend, arguably best fight uh, of this whole weekend. Really, really outstanding fight. Tanaka was just a little too good, too too fast, too accurate for Taguchi. Retains his WBO flyweight title with a dominant win. But this was a really, really good fight. I'd recommend within the within this week because I don't know if this fight's going to be legally available after this week. Go to go to AsianBoxing.info. Go go to CBC. I think it was CBC Global. Uh, YouTube channel to watch this fight, watch this undercard. Really, really outstanding stuff. Kozak Tanaka, if, for those of you that remember, are longtime readers of the Fightful Boxing newsletter, or just know me personally, you know how much I love Kozak Tanaka, and you know how high, how high I hold his fight against Shokimura last September, a fight that I did say on the air, and I still stand by this, one of the greatest Flyweight world title fights in history. One of the greatest all-Japanese world title fights in history. Kozuki Tanaka the, bounce, follows it up with another outstanding fight. More one-sided than the Shokimura fight, but still outstanding nonetheless. I do recommend people watch this fight. Tanaka is a special, special talent. Three belt champion uh, across three weight classes and the best, amazing thing is he's only 23 years old so there is his ceiling is still we still have not seen what his, his max potential is that's the amazing part about Kose Tanaka is that there's still a lot for him to grow he's still physically growing I mean <laughs> I know a lot of people a lot of people look at me and they're still they said to me I mean you're still growing you're only 23 years old well, Kozi Tanaka is still growing. He's still, he's a couple of months younger than me. So Tanaka is, he enters the conversation as a top 10 pound for pound boxer with these last two fights against Shokimura and Ryoichi Taguchi. Those are two extremely solid wins. It's amazing what he's been able to do at such a young age. And Tanaka has done, has done really well. It's obvious that uh, to anyone watching him, that he's a star and he needs uh, he needs to be. A- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill exposed out here in the west a lot more because i think he provides the kind of style that people out here in the west would just eat up he's an all-action fighter he loves creating wars for fans to watch the the Gucci fight was not exactly a war per se, but he did force Taguchi with his sheer power and sheer speed and accuracy. He forced Taguchi to kind of have to retaliate and fight back, which is not really something that we've known Ryoichi Taguchi uh, to do. He's a more cerebral fighter. Uh, he's a very tough fighter, but he's not exactly the boxer puncher that Kosei Tanaka is. And I do think that that. Kozi Tanaka has really, really turned himself into a major star out, out west. And again, I have to give a lot of credit to the people at AsianBoxing.info. Follow them at AsianBoxing. 
on Twitter because they are phenomenal. The people there do an outstanding job. They were the ones responsible for giving fans around the world the opportunity to watch Shokimura versus Kose Tanaka for free, legal, live. And they were the people responsible for Kose Tanaka versus Ryoichi Taguchi, free, legal, global, live. You know, I, I really cannot, you know, give enough credit to those people. Those are they're outstanding people. And, and I do wish them the best because if people tune into those fights, then that gives incentives to the broadcasters over there in Japan to make those big fights available for us out in the West. Because let's be honest, the Zone, ESPN Plus, they're not going to give all of those big fights to us. There was another... um big fight in Japan, Vic Salodar defending a WBO minimal weight title. We didn't get a chance to see that live because, you know, no one picked it up, and I thought that was a real shame. But, listen, I, I think Kozi Denaka has turned himself to a fan, fantastic boxer, only 23 years old. He's turned 24 later in the summer, very young, but his potential, we have yet to see that, which is amazing considering he's all he's won three world... A world title in three different weight classes, and he's still as young as he is. That's that's really is is incredible. Uh, one SS in the live chat said, "Will Charlo versus uh, Canelo ever happen?" I'm assuming you're referring to Jamal Charlo. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Unless Jamal Charlo makes a jump to the zone, and I don't know if he will. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. I think PBC is going to is trying their hardest to not lose any names any big names out there to to the zone in ESPN but the problem here is that what is there for Jamal Charlo at 160 there really is nothing left for him all the big middleweights are on the zone so if he if Charlo wants a shot at a title or a major fight against any of the big middleweights he's going to have to go to the zone but will he i don't know that really does remain to be seen now moving on to the yeah, the, the zone card a very very good the zone card in philly this past weekend uh on friday 10 farm beats john o'carroll to retain the ibs super featherweight title very very good slugfest between the two a uh, lot of body work in this in this fight Tevin farmer a very skillful technical fighter but this was the right kind of opponent to sort of force them to have to throw down throw a lot uh, John O'Carroll, a lot of credit to him. He did a lot of a lot of good work trying to work the body, and he threw everything but the kitchen sink at Tevin Farmer. But the problem here, the fight was that Tevin Farmer was defending well, counterpunching well, landing the left hook to the side of uh, John O'Carroll's head pretty darn accurately throughout the fight, and John O'Carroll was throwing a lot, but it wasn't landing a lot. Tim Farmer was very very well uh, off defensively. He was doing, he was keeping Jonah Carroll from, from hurting him. There really wasn't a lot of big moments in this fight, but I do think Tim Farmer did an outstanding job uh, surviving uh, such an offensive onslaught by Jonah Carroll. The big story uh, from that fight was, of course, the non-callout for Tim Farmer versus Gervonta Davis. And at this point, I don't think, uh, well, we're not getting that fight anytime soon unless Tim Farmer maybe leaves the zone and heads on over to PBC. I think that's really 
the only way we're going to get that fight. Tim Farmer, he's done, he appears to be done with this whole Javante Davis talk. I mean, the zone, credit to the zone for trying to put the pressure on Mayweather Promotions and Javante Davis and PBC for not letting this, for not letting these two fight. But Tim Farmer was like, man, I don't care about that fight. I don't care at all about Javante Davis anymore. I mean, sh- Man, I want to get paid. I want this. You know, there was this talks of Eddie Hearn offering John Davis $5 million. But that didn't, but, you know, I want that five. I want that money. I want that Gervonta Davis money, you know. And, and I think Tim Farmer, I mean, he's, Eddie Hearn has done well on his promise to keep to Tim, um, Tim Farmer busy with title defenses every few months or so. But I think Tevin Farmer is looking for, for greener pastures, and I do mean greener in dollar figures. And I don't know if Farmer's happy or unhappy with what he's getting paid by the zone in matchroom boxing, but he, I think he's just frustrated with the fact that Eddie Hearn just seems to be so infatuated with the with offering Javante Davis so much money and not really talking about offering that kind of money to his own fighter in Tevin Farmer, which I think maybe rubbed... Uh, rubbed off him the wrong way a, a little bit for a fight week. Nonetheless, Tim Farmer, you know, provi- has, has shown that he can be a very entertaining fighter. Maybe not necessarily to most folk, but I think it's uh, uh, he can be a, an entertaining fight fighter nonetheless. I've certainly enjoyed his last few fights. Uh, you know, I do like it when when fight. I do enjoy technical boxing, which is not really everyone's cup of tea. But this fight had a little bit of everything: technical, technical fighting, uh, good body work, slugfest, great defense. Uh, I, I recommend. I recommend watching this fight. I do think that this was a solid fight. Katie Taylor, he she fought Rose Volante for the unified WBA, WBO, and IBF lightweight champions she dominated rose volante stops her very late in the fight and quite frankly this was uh, another fight where on paper some people may look at this fight and thought this could be a 50 50 shot katie taylor could be in some trouble and once again katie taylor proves that she is just just as sensational talent just you know makes easy work of of Rose Volante becomes a three belt champion at 135 pounds. And quite frankly, and the fight to make right now is Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. That's the super fight uh, in women's boxing, aside from Clarissa Shields versus Christina Hammer. That's taking place next month in Atlantic city. I'm excited for that fight. If that were to happen, I'm talking about hammer and shields and a potential Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano fight. But if that fight doesn't happen next, the the fight for Katie Taylor to make would be Delphine Pursun, who is the WBC lightweight champion and sort of crown an undisputed women's lightweight champion, which I believe has never happened before. Don't quote me on that, but I don't believe that's ever happened before. And Katie Taylor, I think if if there is someone in boxing right now that, you point to one woman and say she should be the face of the uh, of the sport. It's hard to not put Katie Taylor at the top or near the top of the list. You could say maybe uh, you know Cecilia Breakis, the undisputed women's welterweight champion, Amanda Serrano, Clarissa Shields. There's really you know in that top four category, Katie Taylor has, has everything. She 
She turns one-sided beatdowns and, and dominant performances into exciting stuff to watch out for. And I do like that in a fighter when they can not only dominate, but do so in a way where it's entertaining and people eat it up. And the people in Philadelphia were, were excited for Katie Taylor. And I do think that was a solid, solid performance by Katie Taylor. Another tremendous win for Katie Taylor. And I do recommend people watch it. If you're trying to get into women's boxing, Katie Taylor's fights are a great, great way to get started because she makes fights very fun, even though she dominates most of them. The drama is not in the... And whether or not she can win is how dominant is she going to win? How entertaining is going to be? What we're going to, what incredible stuff we're going to see? She's great. I, I do think Kenny Taylor is one of the best women's boxers in the world. Pound for pound, she's in my top four. Uh, maybe she's number four or number three, but she's in there in my top four uh, right now. She is that damn good. And, you know, we got, uh, let's see, the also, oh, right. <laughs> The, the most surprising fight of that zone car, Maciej Shuleski against Gabriel Rosado. Man, hi, listen. Those first seven rounds, a lot, all of us thought Maciej Shuleski got a cruise to an easy victory. Just, just moves on over to a title shot against Demetrius Andrade for the WBO middleweight title. Gabriel Rosado says, nope. You ain't got you ain't you ain't getting that title shot easy, and just completely stuns the the Leah Cora Center in Philadelphia with just this outstanding burst in the ninth round. Drops Zaleski twice, almost stops him, and and just and it created one of the most almost completed one of the most incredible comebacks we have seen in, in recent memory. Uh, Rosado was you know getting thoroughly beaten. He, he catches fire right at the end of the ninth round, drops Seleski twice. Seleski at the end of the ninth round, you he he was he was still hurt. He had no idea where he was going. If the fight, if that ninth round had taken had been maybe 10, 15 seconds longer, Rosado would have stopped Masiash Seleski and he would have been on his way to potential title shot against Demetrius Andrade. That was a fun fight. I loved it. The ending was very dramatic. It was incredible. A, you know, props to Gabriel Rosado and Masia Suleski for giving us a very entertaining fight. And I, I do appreciate a, a good slugfest with a dramatic twist towards the end. I, I do very much enjoy it. Overall, this is own card, in my opinion, was the best card uh, out of the four cards that we that we have discussed or are going to discuss tonight, uh, I loved it. Uh, you know, the main card was excellent. Not a bad fight uh, on the the zone card, which you can't say about any of the other cards, uh, other fights on these other cards, whether it be on the Asian boxing stream or the PBC on Fox pay per view. Well, on the well on the PBC on Fox pay per view. There was not not even a good fight in, in, on that card. So I mean, let alone three great fights. Not even there was not even one good fight. And lastly, the the one card that we haven't discussed yet, the one that just concluded about two hours ago, or a little less than two hours ago, as of this live recording, ESPN Plus, Michael Conlon, St. Patty's Day, the tradition that is the Madison Square Garden show promoted by Top Rank, where you put Michael Conlon in this big attraction fight. Uh, this was the first time that Colin wins, but it wasn't by stoppage or by knockout. 
Mike Conlon beats Ruben Garcia Hernandez by a wide unanimous decision, 190 across all three scorecards. Um, Conlon was the last fight on the ESPN Plus stream, even though technically the fight before that was being labeled as the main event, which is kind of a little bit weird because I do think the main event should always be the last fight, not the fight before it. So it kind of makes it, it's a very weird um, uh, a thing that you're that you're putting out there. But nonetheless, Michael Conlon uh, looks good. He was working the body a lot uh, throughout at various points in the fight, but he didn't really do anything to sort of let his hands go. It was... It was, you know, touch and go. He looked good, but it wasn't the type of performance where it, it tells you that he, this is a star, or the next big thing in the welterweight and the featherweight division. And really, you know, he has, this was the type of crowd. Madison Square Garden on St. Patrick's Day, the crowd was electric. They were, they were ready for seeing something special. Finn Balor, WWE superstar, uh, out there is waving the Irish flag, walking Michael Conlon into the ring. And then Conlon just does not deliver on the goods. He gives us, again, a good performance. But on this night, on that environment, on that crowd, on that venue, with the opportunity that was given, a good performance is not what we needed. We needed great. We needed something spectacular, something special. Conlon didn't just didn't do that. I mean, he dominated. There was no doubt about it. but. Nothing that I really can cons- that really wowed anyone that was trying to talk themselves in thinking this is a potential world champion. Now, I do think that Michael Canlin could be a world champion someday, and he's being groomed the right way by top rank. And I do like what they're doing with Michael Conlin, they're building him up the right way, in my opinion. But at this point, we need to see something special with Michael Conley. He's right now on. He's a borderline prospect slash contender. He's 27. He's had a tremendous amateur background. I, at this point, we should not call him a prospect, but he's still labeled as that. And I don't know if that's a good, and I don't think that's a good thing. He should right now be knocking the Ruben Garcia Hernandez's of the world. And he, he just isn't. But overall, I mean, he's. They're they're grooming him for a fight against Vladimir Nikitin, with the uh, the the Russian that uh, controversially defeated Michael Conlon in the 2016 Olympics. Uh, we all know the the story. Michael Conlon was not happy with the judges. Flips the double verb. We it was one of the most lasting images of the Olympics of that year, not just in boxing but of, across the entire Olympic Games. And he's being groomed by Top Rank to become this next big Irish sensation. And the, 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 the proof, there is proof that he is getting there. The crowd was there for Michael Conlon. And it shows that there, that we are getting a solid, solid, uh, a solid prospect turning into a contender of Michael Conlon. But we need to see a little bit more than that. Um, I don't know if... Michael Conlon on St. Patrick's Day 2020 is ready for a world title shot. But if he has by then, if he does great things from here on out until then, man, Miss G on St. Patrick's Day 2020, that's when you pull the trigger on Michael Conlon and give him the world title shot. Whether or not, and really that's going to be the test, whether or not he is, you know, this is the type of fighter that top rank has been telling us for, for years. And I do think Michael Conlon, I don't know if he's ready for guys like Oscar Valdez and Carl Frampton. Right now, he is not. But who is to say in six, eight months, he doesn't do, doesn't progress 
tremendously, and you know he surprises us. So overall, I think Michael Conlon is a solid, solid fighter, but he didn't really wow us uh, on this night. Undercard uh, on this main card, Luis Goyasa beat Samuel Vargas. Split decision, Luis Goyasa uh, looks good. He's thirty, uh, you know, all, nearing forty. He's in his late thirties. Turns back to clock. This is a really solid performance. I don't know if the split decision was warranted. I think. I think uh, Luis Goyasa won. I guess you can maybe make some argument that Vargas won the fight, but not really. Uh, Goyasa, you know, kind of in the fringe contender status for the WBA welterweight title. But I don't know if at this stage of the game he, he will get an opportunity to fight for the title uh, that's currently being held by Keith Thurman or Manny Pacquiao. I just don't. But, uh, but maybe he could. Challenge for Terence Crawford's WBO welterweight title. There's no, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop Crawford from getting that uh, at the end of the year if he keeps his current win streak going. Maybe one last hurrah for Luis Goyaso before he hangs it up. So that looks good. Not a bad fight, to be to be honest with you. Lastly, Oscar Mojica against Patty Barnes. Uh, Mojica upsets Patty Barnes, wins by split decision. Uh, he doesn't, uh, you know, he essentially breaks... Patty Barnes's nose and from the first round he was bleeding a lot from from the nose not not a great outing by Patty Barnes you know kind of was a little bit reluctant he's still hurting from the body shots that he got against Cristofel Rosales uh last year when he challenged for the title and you know Oscar Mojica just do- I want to not say dominated but he landed the body shots with relative ease I think Mojica won that fight. I, I think that was the right call. Patty Barnes, you know, co- contemplating retirement. And uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, if he thinks that, you know, he, he should hang up his gloves, you know, he should hang up his gloves. Nothing, not much to show for for a pro career. It's only had seven fights so far. And his lone world title challenge ended up in complete failure. He was knocked out by Christopher Rosales. So, I mean, listen, if this is it, I mean, I don't think this is a, a, a career that people will look look back uh, with favor 20 years from now. So uh, if this is it for Patty Barnes, then I listen, happy retirement. But I don't know if this is it for Patty Barnes, but uh, he this fight was at bantamweight. I don't know why he, this was a bantamweight fight. He's way too small for that weight class. And whew, hopefully that um, – uh, hopefully I don't – hopefully this fight is not an ind- indication that – uh, uh, Patty Barnes has got this is it for him because again, this was the wrong weight class to put Patty Barnes in in his first fight since that since losing out on the WBC flyweight world ch- uh, world title. I think that all wraps it up for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. This went a lot longer than I thought it would be 40 minutes. Holy cow! Uh, I, I this was not the mini cast that I was that I thought this was going to be, but nonetheless had a lot of fun talking a lot of big, a lot of news out there in the boxing world. A lot of big results. Again, Errol Spence Jr. dominates Mikey Garcia, Cousy Tanaka proving that he's one of the best kept secrets in boxing right now. You know, Tim Farmer, outstanding performance on the zone. Same with Katie Taylor, Michael Conlon, good, not great win on ESPN plus. That about wraps it up for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news regarding pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Subscribe to our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up on this video. Go to Fightful. If you want to support uh, Fightful even more, you can head on over to Fightful Select or, or Patreon service where, where it is a great way to 
to support us. We're an independently run uh, site, and you know we we're doing put a lot of great stuff out there on Fightful Select, uh, exclusive articles, early access, uh, tons of uh, podcasts, Q and A's, uh, you know, early access on a lot of big news and stuff. Just a lot of great stuff over there on FightfulSelect.com. So, so if you can support us, we really do appreciate it. And why do we do thank you for all the great support that we that you have given us thus far. So with that being said, Carlos Toro of Fightful.com and FightfulBoxing.com, we're out. And we will see you on the next edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast this Thursday, covering all the latest news and all the biggest news inside the world of boxing. Carlos Toro, signing out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.